good time starts with a great wardrobe. Next stop, JCPenney. Family get-togethers to fancy occasions, wedding season too. We do it all in style. Dresses, suiting, and plenty of color to play with. Get fixed up with brands like Liz Claiborne, Worthington, Stafford, and J. Farrar. Oh, and thereabouts for kids. Super cute and extra affordable. Check out the latest in-store. And we're never short on options at jcp.com. All dressed up, everywhere to go. JCPenney. Intense heat, relentless exposure, treacherous and dry terrain. The Sahara Desert stands as the largest hot desert in the world, boasting more than 9 million square kilometers. Due to its vastness, the Sahara's temperatures vary in different regions. The highest daily temperatures reach up to 104 degrees Fahrenheit with the daytime sand temperatures reaching extremes of over 176 degrees Fahrenheit. This vast waterless ocean of baked and circulated sand is a force of nature that demands fierce respect from any form of life crossing within its borders. The Sahara is both forbidding and alluring. Its beauty is uncluttered, yet mesmerizing. And despite such life-threatening conditions, it continues to be uniquely hospitable enough to lure inhabitants dating as far back as the Stone Age, like the Kiffian culture that existed about 8,000 to 10,000 years ago. Today, the Sahara is more inhabited and visited than ever, spellbinding even the most surprising guests, marathon runners of likely the highest grit for the Marathon des Sables, also known as the Sahara Marathon. Unlike any other marathon, the Sahara Marathon is an ultra-marathon in southern Morocco, covering 251 kilometers, or 156 miles, of desert in six days. Since its beginnings in 1986, this race is regarded as the toughest foot race on Earth. In 1984, its founder, Patrick Bauer of France, completed a solo trek across the desert on foot, covering 350 kilometers in 12 days without ever encountering a community or oasis the entire time. Two years later, 23 runners competed in the first Marathon de Sables. Runners that compete in this ultramarathon are often described as mad. It is an epic and life-changing experience that is not only a test of endurance, but a test of survival. To prepare for such an undertaking, athletes have trained their bodies to endure the feelings of dehydration and significantly increase strength training. Each competitor must carry their own backpack weighing between 14 to 33 pounds. The required weight minimum ensures that runners at least have the caloric minimum to survive along with their desert survival gear. Required supplies include a backpack, sleeping bag, head torch with spare batteries, a compass with one degree or two degree precision, a lighter, 10 safety pins, a knife with a metal blade, a whistle, anti-venom pump, topical disinfectant, one tube of sunscreen, a signaling mirror, one aluminum survival sheet, 200 euros, a passport and identification, an original medical certificate signed by a doctor, and the original ECG and its tracing, 
a graphic record of the electrical activity of the patient's heart from just before the race. To protect themselves against the sand, runners wear compression shorts as the sand will stick to any anti-chafing lubes, and they glue or Velcro gaiters to keep the sand out of their shoes. To protect against the heat, runners wear Legionnaire hats that provide coverage over their neck and light breathable clothing that is sweat wicking to help keep their body temperatures down. Every year the course changes. Checkpoints are placed every five to nine miles where competitors undergo medical scrutiny, dump trash, and grab fresh water. The intense course not only begs competitors to cross sand dunes, but salt beds and rocks, and is home to 12 species of venomous snakes and 10 types of venomous scorpions, all primarily nocturnal. Over the years, the safety and regulations have increased for marathon runners to ensure their safety, not so shockingly due to extraordinary experiences. One such well-publicized incident prompted rules to increase the weight and visibility of emergency flares carried for runners to use in case of disorientation. On April 10, 1994, 39-year-old Mauro Prosperi, a former Italian police officer and Olympic pentathlete, joined 80 other runners in his first-ever desert event. Drawn to the different terrain and unique challenge, Prosperi had prepared himself well by running 40 kilometers a day and slowly decreasing his water intake. By the third day, the runner's pace was so spread out that each felt they were running alone. On the fourth and longest day of the race, spanning nearly 53 miles, Prosperi had moved up to rank fourth place. The sun was beating so strong on the sand that day, with temperatures reaching 115 degrees Fahrenheit, that swirling winds began at rapid speeds due to the rise in heated surface air. The conditions developed into a severe sandstorm. With clouded vision, Prosperi was convinced he could still see the trail amidst the whirling sand around him and pressed on fearful of getting submerged in the sand if he stopped. The sand was pelting against his skin, and upon inhalation, injured his throat and caused his nose to bleed. But Prosperi pressed on the entire eight-hour duration of the storm. When the winds died down, Prosperi took shelter by a bush and covered his face with a towel. After resting a while, he woke and continued for four miles searching for trail signs and other runners to no avail. Realizing he was lost, he followed the marathon regulations and remained stationary, awaiting rescue. Prosperi's water supply was depleting, and he slowly rationed what he had left, but soon had to resolve to recycle his own fluids by urinating in his spare water bottle. That evening, he heard the hum of a low-flying helicopter approaching near. Hopeful this was his search party arriving to his rescue, he shot his small emergency flare into the air, but the helicopter did not see it. The next morning, Prosperi continued searching for shelter and a water source, understanding that if he remained stationary, he would be subject to the severe risk of heat stroke. Pulling out his compass, desolation was the only view provided to him in every direction, giving no clues to life 
beyond the vast, blistering sand dunes that surrounded him. Prosperi journeyed for hours and eventually came upon an abandoned Muslim marabout shrine where he quickly took shelter for several days, holding on to the hope that he would be found. Prosperi ate rations of food he had with him that he cooked with his fresh urine on his portable stove for nourishment. To maintain hydration, he continued to recycle his urine, suck on wet wipes from his pack, and lick the dewdrops off the rocks in the mornings. One day, Prosperi decided to place a small Italian flag he had brought with him outside on the rooftop of the shrine as a signal of his whereabouts, whether he be found dead or alive. While he was up there, he discovered bats inside the tower, his next source of nourishment. Using his knife, he cut their heads off, drank their blood, and ate their meat raw. On day four, Prosperi heard a plane whirring in the distance and quickly ran out to write SOS in the sand and light a fire using anything he could find with synthetic material he had in his pack to create a smoke signal. But as the fire was lighting, a sandstorm kicked up, lasting 12 hours, chasing away his hope of rescue. Depressed and losing determination, Stranded and suffering away from his wife and children, Prosperi feared a long, painful death of starvation in the desert and thought he would speed up his suffering by cutting his wrists with his pocket knife. In an interview in 2014, Prosperi explained his motivations, dedicated to his love for his wife and family. If someone is presumed missing in Italy, the surviving family must wait 10 years before the lost one can be declared dead and pensions are provided. If Prosperi died, he thought, then his family would be cared for. He wrote his family a note with charcoal and expected to die within the night. In the morning, Prosperi awoke, looked at his wrists, and he noticed minimal bleeding. Due to his malnourishment and dehydration, his blood clotted instead of flowing freely, essentially saving his life. He took this as new motivation to keep pressing on. Prosperi left the shrine and continued his journey for days, taking shelter in the shade of cliffs, caves, or trees, and only traveling at the coolest point of the day, in the early morning or late evening. Eventually, he saw a mountain range in the distance that he set for his destination. He continued to find nourishment by sucking any moisture from plant roots and eating beetles, snakes, and lizards. On day eight of being lost in the Sahara, Prosperi finally came to an oasis. This puddle of water provided him with hours of company. Because of his severe dehydration, Prosperi's mouth and throat had become swollen, preventing him from swallowing and digesting the first mouthfuls of water. He laid next to the puddle until the next day, slowly sipping small amounts of water to hydrate as much as possible. In the morning, he was able to fill his water bottle and set off again. He noticed small goat droppings along the way, and after following them, he also found human footprints. Eventually, he happened upon a young Tuareg girl that was tending the goats. Filled with excitement and hope, 
the sickly and desert-worn Prosperi charged toward her, begging for help, scaring the young girl out of her wits, sending her running in desperation herself. Prosperi recalled in an interview, I beseeched her to stop, but she disappeared over a dune. I must be a hideous sight, I thought. I took out my signal mirror and turned it toward my face. I was appalled. I was a skeleton. My eyes had sunk so far back into my skull, I couldn't see them. Thankfully, the young girl returned with their grandmother, and they brought him to a Tuareg camp and had him rest in a Berber tent. They tried feeding him goat's milk and mint tea, but Prosperi still couldn't keep anything down. He was eventually taken by camel by the Tuareg men to a group of military police who suspected him of being a Moroccan spy. They blindfolded him and interrogated him, and after they discovered his identity as the lost marathon runner, they took him to a hospital in Tindouf. Mauro Prosperi had wandered for nine days for nearly 180 miles off course in the Sahara Desert and traveled across the Moroccan border into Algeria. It took over 16 liters of IV fluids to replenish the fluid loss in his body. He lost a total of 33 pounds and suffered liver damage that inhibited his ability to eat solid food for months. His kidneys were permanently damaged and his legs cramped regularly for a whole year after. Overall, it took two years for Prosperi to recover. He remained hospitalized for seven days in Algeria before returning home to Rome and was reunited with his family. Determined to finish the race and satiate the allure that the desert had left on him, Prosperi returned to the Marathon de Sabs six times and in 2001 ranked 13th at age 46. Moro Prosperi's extraordinary survival story has been featured in documentaries and TV series across the globe. Prosperi and his former wife, Cinzia Pagliara, co-wrote a book of his experience entitled What Translates to Those Ten Days Beyond Life, published in Italian in May of 2020. For anyone aspiring to complete or compete in the Sahara Marathon today, registration is open for the 250-kilometer race over seven days from October 1st to October 11th, 2021. From Endurance to Extreme Survival was written by Shannon Copland and narrated by Ian Scotto. Join us for more stories of survival in the wild. Thank you for tuning in to another exciting installment of In the Wild. To hear more captivating stories of real-life survival, hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Stay prepared, because you never know when you may find yourself in the wild.